So listen, we continue in our sermon series. We've been marching through the story that we find in the book of Genesis. And I'm using this book, uh, Lakato's book called You, uh, Well, You'll, or We Will Get Through This, at Hope and Help for Our Turbulent Times, which is, just seems to be very appropriate for all that we're, um, once again, going through with the pandemic as we continue to make our way through all this. And we've been in it over, over a year. And so we're just continuing to be able to push forward. And so, um, once again, this is such a great story. We've been following uh, Joseph's story. And, you know, it starts with him. We started when he was age of 17. He's thrown in the pit. His brothers have basically sold him off to bondage. He's headed down to Egypt. He's um, bought by uh, Mr. Potiphar. And um, we learned a little bit about that story. Joseph has been given this unbelievable ability. He's been given the gift to be able to interpret dreams. Um, God gives him dreams. And so um, the dreams actually turn out to be somewhat of a blessing to curse because, you know, his has this dream that his brothers are bowing down to him. Not only is he bowing, well, not only his brother's going to bow down, but his father's going to bow down to him and they don't really know how to take all that. And so they were so angry, you know, jealous of him. And so we continue to march our way through the story. And once again, we find him going from a pit and then he ends to get, well, Mrs. Potiphar tries to seduce him and then he ends up in a prison. And that's where we pick up the story today. And so let me just read um, this um, one little excerpt for today. And um, uh, I've got um, actually um, three words that I shared with you all how we're going to get through this. Last week, we talked a little bit about a prayer and we talked a bit about perseverance and we talked about the presence of God. And I really believe strongly about that. I really believe that with following, how are we going to get through things? And this is what we find over and over in the Bible. I, I really believe in prayer. Can I be amen on that? Do you believe in prayer? I believe in prayer. I, I believe in perseverance. You know, sometimes we get knocked down and we pick ourselves up. I really believe in that. So there's perseverance is really important. But the presence of God continues to walk with us. That God doesn't forsake us. He's not going to abandon us. He's not going to leave us alone. That's why we go. I love this. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, the 23rd Psalm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death. I th- I've continued to cling to those things, those words. Uh, every time I do a memorial service, I read those words. It's something we continue to cling to. That God doesn't leave us in the pit. But he continues to help us walk through these times of our crisis in life. Uh, today, I'm going to give you three new words that we're going to think about. Um, uh, the first word is about testing. And I, I know that we, we, there are, throughout our lives, we, from time to time, we do get tested. And we're going to find this in the story today. Um, Joseph gets tested. Second word has to do with waiting. And sometimes we have to wait patiently. And I'm not the most patient person in the world. Anybody have a problem with that as well, right? So well, um, the idea of waiting and testing. And, and the third word, as we get to the very end of this, and I'll highlight this at the very end of my message today, is the word disappointing. Because I know for a fact that Joseph was deeply disappointed at one point in his life. But yet continued, God continued to be with him through this. So let me just read the, a little excerpt from the story today. Um, it comes from the book of uh, Genesis, uh, Genesis, the 40th chapter. And so this is the part where... Um, so uh, Joseph has been thrown in prison. He's been there. Uh, we don't know exactly how long he's already been there. And all of a sudden, uh, two of Pharaoh's officials, uh, his cupbearer uh, or the butler um, and his baker getting some hot water with, uh, with Pharaoh and they are thrown in prison. So hear these words. So sometime after this, the cupbearer and the king of Egypt, his baker, offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard and the prison where Joseph was confined and the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them and he waited on them and they continued um, to be in his custody in time 
One night they both dreamed, and the cupbearer and the baker, the king of Egypt, who were confined in prison, each his own dream, and each dream with his own meaning. And when Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were with him in custody in his master's house, why are your faces so downcast today? In other words, why are you looking so sad? And they, they, well, they said to him, we've had these dreams and there's no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and he said to him, well, in my dream, there was a, a vine before me and, and on the vine, there were three branches. And as soon as it budded, it blossomed and came out and the clusters ripened into grapes and Pharaoh's cup was in my hand. And I took the grapes and I pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation, the three branches of the three days. And within three days, the Pharaoh will lift, you, lift up your head and restore you to your office. And you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. And then, and then Joseph says, but remember me when it's well with you, please do not, please do me the kindest and make mention of Pharaoh to get me out of this place. For in fact, I was stolen out of the land of Hebrews and here also I have done nothing that they should have put me into this dungeon. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. So I love this part in Lakeda's book. He talks about in life that uh, he talks about test. And immediately when he started talking about tests, my mind immediately started thinking about pop quizzes. He does mention pop quizzes in the book. And life, let me tell you something. I, I, let me, I dreaded when the teacher would say, okay, kids, Put all your books under in your desk and take out a piece of paper and your pencil because I'm going to give you a pop quiz today. I dreaded those words because I just want you to know I was not the sharpest tool in the shed. Matter of fact, I even have my report cards here to prove that today. I hated those words pop quiz. I mean, I did well to get out of second grade. I did well to even be prepared for the test, but to get a pop quiz was really just detrimental to me. I just cringed at it. I mean, think about the word pop quiz. I mean, th those words just made me shake the books, uh, my boots, because listen, uh, what is a quiz designed? It's designed to pop you, smack you, right? That's how I interpret it. I pop quiz. And, and one of the things in life, I mean, life is full of pop quizzes. I mean, like, for example, you know, a lot of times on, have you ever got an email from someone that maybe is angry with you? Um, some are put out with you or you said something to offend them. I usually get those on Monday morning. And I always start out with these words. Thank you so much for your note. Pop quiz, right? Or when you're maybe sometimes when you're fiddling around on the internet, all of a sudden something can pop up on your screen that may be inappropriate. And it's so tempting that it could take you to a place that you have, well, you shouldn't go. Pop quiz. Or sometimes, I don't know about you all, but 
when I pull out here on 466, there are times in which people have honked at me. And, I, and as God is my holy witness, this is what I know that this is terrible. But you know what happens usually when people honk at me? I usually honk right back, right? Unless, of course, if you have one of, I see one of these new covenant decals on your car. Now I know, right? But every day really is a pop quiz. Friday, I was actually, um, here's another example. I was at Walmart. I, Don and I went on our little date, went out to dinner. And so we, were, we went to Walmart. And so I, I, I have gone to Walmart, I don't know, a thousand times. And so I just walk in. I just, I'm just going to go shop, right? So I walk into Walmart this last Friday night. And a lady stops me. She's the welcome lady for Walmart. And she says, stop. And I said, what? I'm just want to shop. I'm taking this back. She says, you have come in the wrong entrance. You have come through the exit. And I'm like halfway in the store when she stops me. So I look at her like, there's not even anybody around. Well, what's the problem? And so finally I looked at her and she wasn't going to let me in the store. So I literally... Literally, I walked out of the store about six feet, and I walked at four feet this way, and I went in the entrance to make her happy. And my wife looked at me and said, Harold, thank you so much for not embarrassing us tonight. <laughs> Life is full of pop quizzes. I was thinking about my dear friend Dave Johnson this week. You know, Dave did a, a marvelous job this last Tuesday. He came to our men's prayer, our, our prayer. We actually normally have prayer breakfast, but we had just granola bars and coffee. It was just a social time. And so Dave was uh, selected to give his testimony. Now, Dave Johnson, I don't know if you know him, but you, many of you have probably heard his story. And Dave Johnson is, really is a true Vietnam War hero. Um, and his whole life really changed on July 5th, 1972. So he gave us his testimony. And um, his story goes something like this. He was shot down over enemy lines. Um, and the Vietnam um, uh, Vietnamese were shooting at him. They were trying to. And so when he was shot down, he, he realized that all of a sudden, um, this is what his life came down to. He knew that either at those moments, either he was going to be shot and killed. Either, uh, and if he wasn't shot and killed, he was probably going to be maybe um, uh, captured and killed. Or the third scenario is he was going to be captured and then he was going to be tortured and then he was going to be a prisoner of war. And God only knows how long that was going to last. Those were his options. And the fourth option was he was hoping that someone would come and rescue him and his buddies. And so it's a pretty amazing, matter of fact, in his testimony, he, he quoted Winston Churchill, who said, there is nothing more exhilarating than being shot at and being missed. And he lived that. So um, Ann Curry actually saw his story, heard about his story. And here's a picture of Dave and Ann Curry. And so Ann Curry used to be the anchor for NBC. And she did a story and did actually. And so on that particular day, July 5th, um, 1972, he sent out a May Day. Dave was the colonel, and he pleaded for help. And so a guy named Bruce Grable heard the plea. He was a chopper pilot, and he got his crew, and they all jumped into their chopper, and they went to go rescue Dave and his men as they were being shot at. 
And what David was really impressed, he said, you know, and he reminded me this week when I had a conversation with Dave after the devotion, he said, you know, Harold, Bruce did not have to do that. Um, he knew that he was putting his life on the line, but he came to get us anyway, him and his crew. And then, so they came swooping in and um, they um, got them all out of there. Amazing, they were being shot at and I imagine the bullets were going right. I think he said the bullets were actually going right through the helicopter. It's just amazing, they survived that. And he said that one of the crew chiefs had, and he had this conversation with them a few years later. He said, I felt as if that the hands of God had pulled, they were wrapped around our chopper, chopper and literally lift us out of the jungle. It's amazing. That's, that was his quote from the crew chief of that. And so 46 years later, um, he was able, and here's a picture of uh, Dave and Bruce being reunited. Because he, he didn't even know Bruce's name. He wasn't even sure who he was. But somehow they tracked it all down. And Curry evidently helped them do this investigation. And they finally found Bruce. And they reunited them. They did this beautiful special. And so, you know, the, the powerful thing about that was in David's testimony this last week. He said, you know, when I got back to the base... I don't remember even thanking Bruce. He said, when I got back to the base, I don't remember thanking God. And so when I, I look, heard, heard that, and so he, he has had almost 50 years to reflect upon that day, July 5th, 1972. And it changed his life forever. Because his devotion this last Tuesday was really about doubting how on, I think that maybe that's what David was wrestling with about doubting God. Is God really real in my life? And he began to quote other pieces of scripture like Nathaniel who said, you know, is there anything good that can come out of Nazareth? Or he thought about doubting Thomas or Peter when he was walking on the water and he saw the storms and he began to doubt. He thought about Martha and Mary who doubted that even they, Jesus had the power to be able to raise their brother from the dead. He thought about Nicodemus who came to Jesus at night and yet he too doubted, but then he was there at the foot of the cross when he took Jesus' body off the cross and he, he and Joseph, Joseph and Marathea buried Jesus, those two. He talked about doubting. He talked about wrestling with God. And so, you know, I, I thought that idea about wrestling with God was really profound. And I mean, haven't we all at some point in our lives wrestled with God in, in the midst of the test that we've all endured at some point in our lives? And I tell you, you talk about, here's just a thought. I really believe that life throws us pop quizzes like, you know, go out here, someone honks at you, so go, you know, get on the internet, you get an email from somebody or you go to Walmart and someone says, you know, you can't come in here. I mean, those are little, simple little things, but they do test us how we're going to deal with something, Right. But I also believe this, and I, I can tell you, I've testified this. My, I think that three or four times every throughout your life, you really truly are tested. And I think that David's day on July 5th, 1972, was almost like a mid-year exam. And so he felt, I believe, that he was going through a test. And therefore, he began to kind of wrestle with God. And so he spent the last 50 years really coming to this, this idea that God really is true, that Jesus Christ really did die for him and was redeemed. He, one of my favorite quotes that David shares over and over again, he says, no, there is no greater love than this than a man laid down his life for a friend. And he actually experienced that in Vietnam. Wrestling. Don't we all wrestle with things? 
even in the midst of the times of trials and tribulations and being tested. This last week, I got an email from someone in our church, and she was, this is what she was wrestling with, and maybe you can relate to this. She says, Pastor Harold, can you please just answer a question? She says, my, my husband died about a year or so ago, and I'm so worried about him. And she says, I'm, I'm so worried that he's not happy in heaven. And so this is my response because I I heard her anguish. I heard her anxiety. I heard that she was wrestling with this idea that her husband somehow wasn't going to be happy in heaven. And this is what I said. Well, good morning. You've asked some really great questions here. And I said, I believe that heaven is not only a happy place, but is a perfect place full of love. So I don't think our spirits are ever going to be unhappy or sad in heaven. So rest assured that your husband is very, very happy. And loved in heaven, you really do not need to worry, worry about him. He is in good hands. And then I, I quoted a piece of scripture for the book of Revelation. I said, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. He will be no, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things have passed away. Haven't we all wrestled with something in life? I think it's really important because um, I love this, this quote that came from the book. Um, and let me just read a little excerpt from it. It came from, well, um, Howard Rutledge had a different experience than Dave. He was in Vietnam and his D-Day, his important day, the day in which he was tested, actually came on November 28, 1965. And this, well, the three, three scenarios that David hoped that would never happen and he actually got what he wanted. He got rescued. This guy didn't. He ended up becoming a prisoner of war. He said, you know, when the door slammed, the key turned on that nasty, rusty iron lock. And a feeling of utter loneliness swept over me. I lay down on the cold cement floor, a six-by-six six prison. The smell of human excrement burned in my nostrils. A rat, large as, as a small cat, scampered across the slab beside me. The walls and floors and the ceilings were caked with filth. Bars covered in tiny windows high above the door. I was cold and hungry. My body ached from the swollen joints and sprained muscles. He said, you know, it's hard to describe what solitary confinement can do to unnerve and defeat a man who quickly tires standing and up and sitting down, sleeping or being awake. There are no books, no paper, no pencils, no magazines, no more newspapers. The only color you see is the drab gray and dirty brown. Months or years may go by when you don't see the sunrise or the moon, green grass or flowers. You are locked in, alone and silent in your filthy little cell, breathing stale, rotten air, and trying to keep your sanity. Wow. And then Lakeda talks about, you know, aren't we all in life, at some point in our life, feel, know the feeling of being, being tested by our own, behind our own bars, maybe the, behind the bars of a biopsy or behind the bar of depression and anxiety, or behind the bars of feeling guilt or sadness or behind the bars of, is, is this story really real? Or has, why is God allowed this to happen? Or why is God allowing me to struggle with all this? And so there's this sense of struggle that we all have as we continue to be tested in life. Uh, Joseph understood that. He said, you know, and I just read it a minute ago. He says, you know, I have done nothing here that should, well, have put me in this dungeon. 
And when I read those words this last week, I thought, well, those are wrestling words, aren't they? He continues to wrestle. I mean, this has been a long journey for Joseph. He started at the age of 17. We don't know how, maybe at this point in the life when he, when he said these words, maybe he's 10, 15 years old, uh, 15 years down the road. I thought this was really interesting. I didn't realize this was in the book of Psalms, but I thought one of the things that Lucado makes a great quote, he talks about the devil and about evilness, how it's always trying to defeat us. It discourages us. The devil wreaks havoc on, on us. Destruction. He messes with our minds. He, he tells us that we can't do this or that. You know, we can't overcome this. And, and what I love Jesus' words on the devil, I mean, I, I, Jesus is, really hits the ball out of the park when he says, you know, the devil is the author of all lies. He's going to mess with you. And I, I thought this was really interesting because in the book of Psalms, if you go and look this up, it, in the 105th Psalm, they actually talk about Joseph in this Psalm. And he says, they bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar until the time came to fulfill his dreams. The Lord tested Joseph's character. And having all our lives, in the midst of our lives, in the midst of the pop quizzes, haven't all our lives been, our character has been tested. I thought this is a pretty interesting quote. He says, in the Bible, a test is an external trial that purifies and prepares the heart. And he goes on and talks about the quote, and he talks about how fire can refine the impurities of metal. And I understand when you've ever been under the fire and you've been under the test, we all understand how sometimes the fire can actually work through the impurities of your life. And I can understand that because my test came, my midterm exam came. And it, let me tell you something, it was not a pop quiz. It was a midterm life exam. And it came on December 17th, 2019. My life was never going to be the same after that day. I wake up every morning and I go to bed every night a changed person because of that day and what happened to me on that accident. And what's interesting about the story about refining the fire, how the fire can refine us, I thought was very powerful because in Dave's story, it really was about how God was working on him and he's given him another 50 years of his life to be able to work through some of these issues to grow close in his relationship with Jesus Christ because he had doubts back on July 5th, 1972. But in the midst of all that, God has worked with him. He's molded him. He shaped him into the man that he is. And so he has a testimony today to be able to share and for me, let me tell you something. Let me tell you about me. December 17th, 2019. Let me tell you what happened with me. About how God was refining Harold Hendren. Had to do with about being independent. Because I'm a fiercely independent person. And I'll never forget. About a week after I got home. My wife looked at me and she looked me straight in the eye. And she says, Harold, I want you to know something. You are no longer in charge. I am. I'll never forget that. You talk about humbling words to hear that. And so I love this quote. For you, God tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our backs. You let people ride over our heads. We went through the fire and water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. Psalm 66. This last week I saw on Instagram there was a... Scotty Pippen, I don't know if you know who Scotty Pippen is. Scotty Pippen is one of the greatest basketball players ever. He played with a guy named Michael Jordan. Everybody heard of Michael Jordan? Well, they won six NBA championships. 
They were a phenomenal duo. You know, let me tell you something. Michael Jordan is a really great basketball player, but he wouldn't have won those six NBA championships without Scottie Pippen. And so this last week, I noticed that Scottie Pippen, his eldest son, died. His name was Antoine. He was only 33 years old. But this is the quote that was written. He says, you know what? This is Scottie Pippen talking about his son. He says, Antoine suffered from chronic asthma. And if he hadn't had it, I truly believe he would have made it someday to the NBA. He never let the, that get him down. Though Antoine stayed positive and worked hard, and I'm so proud of the man that he became. And I thought, that, I mean, what, it's very powerful how we can take, and let me tell you, when it comes to testing in life, usually our tests and our problems, or our troubles usually come through people, pain, and problems in life. Let me say that again. Usually when it comes to testing and the troubles that we have in life usually come through people, pain, and problems. And Locato said this, and I thought that was a really powerful quote, to think about how we continue to navigate our own troubles in life, our own pain. Um, he says, you know, if you see your troubles as nothing more than isolated hassles and hurts, you'll probably grow bitter and angry. Yet if you see your troubles as tests used by God for his glory and your maturity, then even the smallest incidences take on significance. Each day has its own pop quiz. So what's your pop quiz? I mean, we all get popped every once in a while, right? What is the purpose and the test of this? What is, why is Joseph in prison? Um, why did I get run over the, on, a, on a truck? Why did Dave almost get killed in the jungle? Why did, uh, why, why does one of my kids has, has had to suffer with um, anxiety and depression for years? Uh, why is my sister still sick? I'm still answering those questions, right? Test. I, I love this quote from the book of James. I, I hold on to it. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. The book of James. So Joseph is... Um, He's 17 years old when he's sold off the bondage and um, he ends up in the pit. Then he's humbled there. He, he continues to uh, be, ends in Potiphar's house. And yet um, he ends up in prison. And the Bible says, but before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison, which is interesting because I, everywhere, everywhere you turn, Joseph, I mean, when he was in Potiphar's, Potiphar's house, I evidently, um, Joseph evidently must have had charisma. He had something going on with this guy. Because when he was in Potiphar's house, guess what? He puts him in charge of his house. And when he gets in prison, guess what? The, prison, the guard puts him in charge of the prison. Go figure, right? So he must have had something going on, right? But he also had this other characteristic. And don't miss the detail. He had compassion. I think it's pretty, pretty amazing. I mean, don't you think compassion would be a really good quality or a characteristic for a future prime minister of all Egypt? Now, how do we know they had compassion? Because we know from the story I just read to you just a few minutes ago that the two, well, the, the butler, who's the cupbearer, and the baker will get on the wrong side of Pharaoh, and he throws, it, throws them in jail. And Joseph's in charge of them. And so they wake up the next morning, one of the mornings, and he says, hey, 
Why do you look so sad? Now, he could have just blown it all off and said, you know what? We're all in prison. I, you know, I'm angry. You're angry. We're all angry. I, you know, I shouldn't be here in the first place. Blah, 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 blah. Right? No, but you don't get that. He asked the question, why do you look so sad? Which tells us a little bit about the character of Joseph. And they go, well, we had a dream. And so Joseph says, well, tell me your dream. Because by the way, God's the one who really ultimately interprets the dreams. So the, the first one goes up and he says, well, the cupbearer says, well, I got this dream and I just read to you a minute ago, you know, I had the three branches and, and I had this going on with the grapes. And so Joseph says, I've got great news for you. Guess what? The three branches have to do with three days. And guess what? In three days, you are out of here, bro. And he says, yes, this is great news. You're going to be right back where you were and doing exactly what you were doing before. So the baker thinks, well, he got a good review. Let me ask him. So the baker says, well, here's my story. And there was this bread on my head. And the birds come and start pecking the bread off my head. And so then Joseph says, oh, bro, 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 bro. This is not good. This is not good. I mean, you got three days and you are one dead duck. And he goes, what? Yeah. You're not going to make it. That's not what I want to hear. I think it's very interesting, this story is that um, Joseph doesn't ask the guy, the baker, for help. He asked the one he gave a really good review to help. Hey, by the way, don't forget me. He did. He did forget him. Matter of fact, you know, the last little part of my message today has to do with waiting. Joseph's been waiting and waiting. He's being tested, but he's continued to be waiting and waiting for years and years and years and decades for his opportunity. And when we all, you know, how long does it take to, for, for Joseph to get all the way down leashed to a camel to walk 750 miles? I don't know, a year? And then how long does it take for him to be able to sit on an auction block? How long does he wait? Several months? And how long does he stay in Potiphar's house to be able to finally find his way to be one of those top officials? I don't know. 10 years? And then how long does he end up sitting in prison? Several more years? Do you know the distance between, in my Bible, if you look between chapter 40 and chapter 41, it's about a quarter of an inch. But you know what the distance, what that meant for Joseph? Two more years awaiting. Now, in my Bible, it's only that month then. But can you imagine? He said, Listen, hey, dude, can you please make sure you remember me? Because I want to get out of here. Hmm. Haven't we all been, at some point in our lives, waited and waited and waited on God to answer our prayer? And there have been times in our lives that we've been disappointed. I know I've disappointed, probably have disappointed you, and there have been times in which I've disappointed my wife and my children. We've all disappointed each other at some point in our lives. But the truth of the matter is, and I think this is a really good point when they think about life, is that, you know, God is not in the disappointing business. That God is, once again, the idea of waiting the Bible a sustained effort to stay, keep us focused on God through prayer and belief. Waiting. 
I thought this was really interesting here. I have a couple little thoughts. That on Wednesday, I was over here, the idea waiting patiently. Patience is not one of those things that's really easy to me. So um, there is a, one of our members of our church is coming in and this particular lady um, struggles and she has a hard time walking. She um, um, walks very slowly, but she is committed and she was coming to church. And, and so I saw her coming from the distance and I, it was gonna take her a little while. So I just stood at the door waiting for her to open up the door for her. And I said, well, come on in, let me hold the door for you. I don't know how long it took for the distance between the parking lot to get to the door. But as she passed me, this is what she said. You know, Pastor Harold, I can't do much, but I can pray. She was coming Wednesday to pray with our prayer ministry. Hmm. That was worth the wait. We continue to wait. We have pop quizzes in life. Sometimes we had midlife and midterm tests. And what I love about the story, and here, don't miss the detail. I mean, this is about testing. It's about waiting. It's about the journey that we've been on with Joseph. Sometimes we're even disappointed. But here's the truth that we find. I love this. This is the last little detail. You know, when um, finally they, they get Joseph, I mean, the 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 cupbearer finally after two years evidently pharaoh has a dream and this is where we conclude today so the pharaoh's got a dream and he says i've had this dream but I, nobody can tell me what it means and so the the guy who was the the um the cupbearer says i know a guy he's in prison go get him so they take joseph let me tell you, they clean him up, they shave his head, they put a brand new, they, they give him a bath, they put a brand new robe on him, they put brand new sandals on their feet, and they even give him some old spice deodorant to make him smell good. It's in the Bible. They clean him up. And there, finally, after years and years and years of waiting, Joseph finally stands before Pharaoh, the most powerful person on the planet. And the first words, don't miss the detail, the first words out of Joseph's mouth. When Pharaoh says, so I hear that you can interpret dreams. Joseph says this, well, you know, it's really not me interpreting dreams. It's my God who interprets the dreams. So let's just get this straight. All the credit goes to God. Lord, we're grateful for the day you've blessed us with and the worship experience this morning, the beautiful music. And we, once again, we really do give you the credit today. We give you the credit for our lives, for every day is a gift from you. And we're grateful that we, for the air that we breathe and the, and the creation you have created and the earth that you've been able to bless us with. And we are so thankful that you have, once again, let us just give you credit for you who sent us your son, Jesus Christ was willing to live and die and lay down his life for us in order that we might have happiness and joy and peace in heaven. And I know for a fact, Lord, 
that is not going to disappoint us. In Jesus Christ, we pray and all God's children said, amen and amen.